Welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast, where we discuss the latest news and perspectives on the circular economy and issues relating to social, environmental, and economic sustainability. Join us every week when we discuss what's needed to create a sustainable, circular economy worldwide. Now, here is your host, Ken Alston. Hello, this is Ken Alston with another edition of the Circularity Edge podcast. Today, I am more than excited. I am actually thrilled to be talking with my longtime friend and collaborator, Albin Kalin. Hello, Albin. Hello, Ken. So, Albin, you are CEO of IPEA, EPEA Switzerland. And in the last year, I know you've won numerous awards for leadership, and we'll talk about those a little bit later. Um, but to start with, I want to go back to the beginning where you and I first met. And I think a lot of people today don't realize the, the pivotal role that you played um, with the development and implementation of Cradle to Cradle and what we now call the circular economy. You know, back back in the times before we had the thing called the circular economy, right? You, you used to run a textile mill in Switzerland. Seems like a long time ago, I'm sure, but um, you worked with Michael Brongart and, and uh, Bill McDonough, and you redesigned and reinvented one of your signature textiles. Tell us, tell us that story in, in your own words, if you would. Yes, I'm glad to do this. So this is quite um, now 30 years ago, yeah. 30 years. It was in 1992. I met Bill McDonough and Michael Brongart. And um, we were introduced by a client from the U.S., um, Susan Lyons from DesignTix. They were um, afterwards bought by Steelcase, a very large um, office furniture company from uh, the U.S., the largest in the world. And I, I went and, on to, to train Steelcase in cradle-to-cradle thinking. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> so... Um, Yes, I met Bill. He arrived at um, Zurich Airport. I got him basically from the airport, picked him up with my car, and we drove to the mill. The mill is about one and a half hours drive away in the eastern part of Switzerland, south of the Lake of Constance, close to the, the border of Austria. So very nice place in the Alps, so very nice. And... Um, while we were driving basically to the mill, Bill told me three words, waste equals food. Mm. And it made click. Why did it make click? Because I was heading this small company. We were 30 employees. We had a weaving. We had a yarn dyeing. So we had some... Um, wastewater from the yarn dyeing. We had no finances available to build some kind of wastewater treatment. And we were struggling with authorities because, um, you know, what's the way out? How can you remain economical uh, based in Switzerland, high wages, uh, environmental setting? The Lake of Constance is the largest freshwater reservoir in Europe giving fresh water every day to four and a half million people. Um, yeah, it was a struggling, really a struggle. 
and I wanted to take responsibility because I was the, the, the manager of this company. I wanted to take care about the people as well working there. And suddenly comes this architect from the U.S. and says, waste equals food. And, and what I mean with click, it means, hey, if everything we would do in this company, uh, if all the chemicals, all the colors, all the materials would be safe for food, then we solved all the problems. So basically, nobody's going to be worried moment, about the water quality in Lake Conte. Yes, exactly. So the whole environment, everything, the people exposing to materials, toxic chemicals, everything was just solved. And basically, I knew exactly what to do. I knew exactly what to do because this message was clear: become food. So, and we started. Then uh, Michael Braungart basically showed up a couple of months later. And Michael Braungart has a Greenpeace basically history. Yeah, yeah. He was climbing up the chimneys of chemical plants. So I didn't feel so easy inviting him the first time. But today we are friends, okay, <laughs> with Bill and Michael. Um, but we were really trying to go for this. So we have tried to really approach chemical companies for the colors. And all of them said, no, we don't want to participate. Except CBA. CBA. So this was, was going, a, this was basically going down your supply chain. Correct. So this is, if, they could, if they could join in with you in this pursuit. That's, that was the idea, you know, would they be open basically to present all the chemicals, the good chemistry um, to the Institute for Michael Braungart, former Greenpeace activist, and uh, they all refused except Siba. Siba said, okay, we, we are a Swiss-based company. This little mill in Switzerland is Swiss-based, so we can trust, so we can take the risk. And... Yeah, it started, and from 1,600 colors, we were only able to use 16. That's an amazing... It's amazing. One one-hundredth of the normal dye palette was available to you. So, 1%. So, basically, if you go out there and say, hey, 1% of my product portfolio is okay, it's quite a story. Yeah, it's a challenge. You've got, you've got to look at that and think, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? Correct. And we could do all the colors except black. And black was the color number one. Because we were producing upholstery fabrics for interiors. And architects, famous, they want to have their own black. So it was quite challenging. And then we implemented as well the chemistry defined uh, with scientists. And then the official authorities came and said, now we want to see the wastewater tested. So we did the test and then sent it to the officials. And then the authorities called and said, um, sorry, I think you got something wrong. We told you to make a test analysis from the wastewater and not from the fresh water. 
and we were telling them we have made a test from the wastewater. And you can imagine this little mill was about 100 kilometers away from the spring of the River Rhine, the really big River Rhine in Europe. Yeah, yeah. So that would mean that basically this concept of Willem Michael Cradle to Cradle, a vision at that time, basically, yeah, it's solved. So Swiss drinking water coming into the mill, Swiss drinking water going out of the mill. So, and this is in the Cradle to Cradle book. Um, but the authority didn't so, didn't believe you, right? So they, they were they were questioning that you'd even send them the right samples. Uh, what what happened after that? They they realized that you really had sent the right sample. Correct. So this first they thought we are somehow you know did it wrong or we did it on wrong on purpose. Yes, trying to cheat. Whatever them. you yeah. know. Uh, so when you are in business and you are a CEO, you are responsible. You need to be in compliance with legislation. No, no, we could prove that. And I think then the real story started to to develop. And then after 18 months, we were able to present the product. And it's an upholstery fabric. It's, it was called Climate Takes Life Cycle. Guess so what I have right here, Alvin? Uh, how can I say that this is the one? <laughs> <laughs> the network of trust. <laughs> I can recall the design. Yes, it, okay. and it was quite a breakthrough. And it was quite a breakthrough. And um, you know, I have still very big memories to this because uh, we were these fabrics, and I really was a CEO of a little tiny textile mill. So these products were displayed in the Guggenheim Museum in New York for one night. So they were standing there in the middle of the museum because there was a big opening. Uh, quite some memories, unbelievable. And um, yeah, well, and today I'm doing only Cradle Cradle. And, and what's important to me is that this is this was one of the first ever examples of a real live implementation of basically what at the time was a concept. Correct, so this was the first, first product that was proven that the vision of William McDonnell and Michael Brangard, it's possible. And along the way, what did you find about the cost? Because, you know, you and I know there are a lot of myths about sustainability and circularity and cradle to cradle and a lot of people who are talking who don't really know what they're talking about. What, what, was, what, was the, what were the real outcomes? You, you saved money as well, didn't you? Yes, yeah, so... You know, I, I I was somehow crazy at the time. Um, you know, this everything we are living or we have been we have been raised is raised on linear thinking. Yeah. As well, all the systems we're living in are based on on linear thinking. Yeah. And as well, accounting is based on linear thinking. And in 1992, I started uh, some environmental accounting methods, and I was. Telling in public, accounting is not telling the truth. So, and it's exactly this. You need to prove that it's economically feasible. And we were able, with the changes that we implemented, we were able to prove you can really make money. Okay? So, it's economically feasible. We were really competitive. 
we were able to export to the U.S. And uh, it has become really, really um, successful. Then I think we created a lot of other values. Um, we had a, once a university coming to, to see what has changed in the company through this transformation process. And they stayed there for three days and they couldn't find anything. Mm. So then they approached us and said, hey, we checked everything. We couldn't find anything. What is the outcome? I said, have you ever looked at the people during the last three days? You know, they have a smile on their face. They, When they work, they do a lot of work. They are under stress, a lot of stress. But they are happy because they know that all the chemicals, all the materials they handle every day, they know they are safe. They don't have to worry. And they don't have to wear masks and special precautions? Nothing. No, so no protection, nothing. It was really a, a game changer. But the, the, the students from university, they didn't realize it because they didn't have any understanding about industry. Yeah, they were only looking at money, and there's more to life than money. It's not that it's unimportant, but it's not the only thing, right? So that's correct. So this is what I mean. You need to really change the system, becoming really, we call it cradle to cradle. Now they call it circular. But we have really um, done a lot of expertise in, in building tools, implementing tools that show that basically in business, in management, that they can be implemented to prove it's successful. So what what, what would you say were some of the, the key learnings from the 20 years since then, this last 20 years, where you've been implementing this with other companies? So you had the initial success with, with your own mill where you were at the time, but now you do this with lots of other companies. T tell us about how some of these tools, you know, do they come to you already predisposed with the idea to make the change or are you starting to convince them? Where are, where are people on the scale of understanding? So I think that the most important thing in, in every project is you have to select the right people. The people who have an open mind, who would like to do a change, who are open to think out of the box, who don't want to uh, basically, you know, pull your leg all the time, mm -hmm. want to be fair, want to cooperate. And, you know, it's people who are carrying companies. So you need this kind of culture element to trying to do something not less bad, trying to do something good. And when you when when you really go there and you pick the right network and put it together, it can really be very strong and it can really be successful. Why is this so important? Because this linear way of thinking is, you know, we have been raised like this, and this is a new mindset. So you need a lot of respect among people if you are going to, to a new, basically, 
mindset development with a lot of risk because it's a lot of unknown. And you need to have some kind of character and charisma with these people and some respect to each other and be on eye level so that you can create something new which is valuable and which is something for good. And like Bill McDonough once said it, like being just. And to reach this kind of, of equilibrium and as well the dynamic, the motivation, the energy in these kind of networks, well, I think that's that's the key for success. Give us a couple of examples of, of recent projects where you, you feel like the those characters were 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 there and and it gave you the confidence to to engage with them um you know a lot of people today and a lot of consultants uh, a lot of companies are running around and doing uh, circularity projects at least with that name <laughs> yes exactly okay um what we see is, you know, because it's it's linear, it's a line, and at, at the end you have a garbage bin. And a lot of people think from the line you can make a circle. Yes, it's easy. But the garbage bin is still there. And the difficulty is you can only, only get away and rid of this garbage bin through innovation. So, and this requires basically really a different way of thinking. And I think we have some excellent examples today, some lighthouses all over the world, all over different kind of industries, because we were able to really motivate companies and their people to think out of the box. And why is this so important? It is they are they are leaving the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Okay, so and it's not only one company you can do this. You need the entire supply chain. You need to motivate the supply chain. You need as well to close the loop. So you need to build new networks to take the goods back, reintegrate the materials and reprocess them and bring them back into the supply chain. For example, we have projects with over 100 companies involved in one project. It's about networking and bringing these people together to really make it work because it's a holistic approach. This is what you call the network of trust, right? Correct. This is what why we call it the network of trust. So, and this is, uh, I think, quite remarkable. For example, a project for, for wood, wooden floors, parquet floors, uh, the company is called Bauwerk. So basically, when you want to take the parquet floor out after 25 years, after a generation in use, you basically need to destroy it. So the invention was to put a non-woven layer underneath. And today this parquet floor can be taken out four times 
and be reinstalled in other places for four times. And a generation lasts uh, basically 25 years. Most of these, uh, the wood is being used is oak. An oak tree takes 100 years to grow. Yeah. So basically, you can extend one lifetime through this kind of innovation. But it was not the only part. It was as well, well the adhesive. So we tried to optimize the adhesive with the result that it always gets worse when we made an optimization. So we said, stop it, start from scratch. And suddenly, and the this adhesive... is an example where, I, and I say the same thing, Alvin, you can't take the linear and bend it into a circle. It just doesn't. That's exactly the point. Out. Okay. That's exactly so the this point. This is what was happening here. You couldn't take the existing linear adhesive and find a way no. to make it work in, in the circular manner. Impossible. Okay. So every change you make, the thing gets worse. So basically, we had a solution. So now the difficult part came because these products last for 25 years. So the management needed to decide, are we going to implement this glue in our products? Is it going to perform? Is it going to perform for 25 years? And they decided, yes, we're going to do so. And from that decision on, all the products being manufactured from Bauwerk in Switzerland are cradle-to-cradle certified because of that system approach, okay? It's an integrated system approach. If we change the glue, the glue will be applied at all products. And the same is the lacquers, is oils and, and chemical lacquers. So, so th these are kind of, of elements. Then an, another uh, project I would say is um, a pouch packaging, a refiller, from uh, the brand Frosch, which is a German cleaning detergent manufacturer. You know, you know Albert, my, when I was a when I was a, a humble product manager in a multinational company, I launched the, one of the first green cleaning products in England under the Frosch brand. Really? I, yes, I still have my original my original <laughs> brand work here in the in the apartment. You see, small world. It's a very small world. Yeah. So, but when you look at these pouches, they are bonded with all different kinds of layers, like polypropylene, polyethylene, aluminium, uh, multi-layer multi -layer pouch material. Multi-layer pouch, and they, for circularity, you can't forget it. It doesn't work. Yeah, so you're it took never going to get that aluminum back out, no. <laughs> yes, correct. So it took us five years to develop. Okay, now, now we have it. And it won basically the German Packaging Award last year. Excellent. And what was the invention? So first it's a mono material. As well, the printing uh, elements were solved. So printing inks. And 90% of this pouch can be kept in a closed loop without losing quality because the, the printed element you can rip away from the pouch. But we said, oh, if you look to Germans, they have this yellow bag where they put all the different kinds of plastics in, the consumers. Mm -hmm. This cannot work. Nothing is good can come the, out of it. Is this the part of the green dot system? 
This is the green dot system, yes. So they were integrated in the project. Okay, so we said Germans, you know, with the yellow bag, all the different kind of plastics, what can you do very good out of this? No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But German engineering, they developed technology for their sorting machines in the waste management that they can take out this pouch separately and they can really bring it back into a closed loop. This is innovation. Okay, so this is a good example. Then we have um, a lot of examples in the textile industry, which is still the biggest industry, a lot, the most polluting industry, most complex supply chains. Uh, our masterpiece is uh, with Wolford ladies' underwear, where we defined basically a product line for biological cycles and it's gold certified and the loop is closed through industrial composting. And the other group is a technical cycle as well, gold certified, and the loop is technically closed. It can be deep, depolymerized. Why is this so important? When we started this project, because this is luxury. Okay, it's a luxury brand. Mm -hmm. And we were working 15 companies in a consortium. We tried basically to optimize the chemistry, materials, colors, everything. But we did not know till the end, is the product beautiful? Is the handle beautiful, gorgeous? Is the, are the aesthetics uh, approved from the brand, from the luxury brand? And we, are, we were successful. This is so, so important all, because people have to remember that the, the original design specification elements don't go away. So cost, performance, aesthetics, they, they always stay. Even when you're doing, even when you're doing the, the, the redesign and the innovation to be circular. Correct. So, and the, the point is, don't get into the trap that it looks green because okay. then you will not be successful. So, and I can tell you, these products are gorgeous. And Wolford has the goal because we built the system. It's about integrating system so that companies can become improve and become better and more and more products will be implemented. So Wolford has the goal by 2025 that 50% of their products and their collections are cradle cradle certified. So it's an integrated Talk to me a little bit more about the certification because I, you know, I was involved as you were in the whole creation of that program. And I'm sure you find that some people are like Wolford are able to uh, stand behind and, and want their product to have a certification mark on it. And others maybe want to do the work, but don't want to certify. Do you find that a little bit of both, that some both are doing the same work, but some want to certify and some may not? So we, we are so we are going even further. We are thinking that what is the value that you're really creating for a company? So and the value is first you need really to start from scratch. Don't look at the old stuff, start from scratch and build something new for the future, which is 
good for material health and which is good for circularity. So this is a process you initiate. It's a process of innovation. So, and suddenly you have a prototype rare there and you hope that it's performing. Okay, and this is always a risk. Um, does it really perform all the testing and all that kind of stuff? But in all our projects, the certification aspect is an, we offer as an option. It's optional because it is a marketing decision primarily of a company. Um, it is much more important that the companies have products who are defined for circularity and that they are safe for in regard of material health. And of course, if they would like to have a certification because they see the benefits of the certification, third party and all that kind of stuff, then it's appropriate. And we, as CPS Switzerland, we are an accredited assessor for the certification. But I think it's can, important to understand it's what kind of values does a company really need? Do they want to continue with the old stuff? Okay, which is not circular, pretty sure not circular. Uh, it's much more important that they get the understanding that they need to start something new. And, and you need to be careful because you, you, you don't, you shouldn't basically cannibalize the existing business. Right. Okay, this is risky. Mm. And then this whole cradle to cradle and circularity, it's quite the business risk because you need to take back the goods. Business is not used to these kind of decisions. There are little management techniques, how to do this, how are you accounting materials once they have come back? What kind of value do these raw materials have? Mm -hmm. So we developed some tools, how basically you can calculate materials and products in multiple cycles. And, and why do we do this kind of stuff? We need do it because we need to prove to companies it's economically feasible. So if you don't get this point where you cannot prove it, you're not successful in the project. Well, and we're okay, in a so, period of experimentation, aren't we? This is what the innovation yeah. is. Right? That's the point. We can have the different ideas of what circular business models might be, but they are not proven. We have, we're have we having to invent them and try them and apply them and find the ones that work. And some of them won't work. And some of Correct. them will be adjusted and, and, until we find the right balance of all the different parts to make them work. So it's a, it's so, a period is, of experimentation and, and innovation, as you say. So, and this is exactly, I think, the responsibility because it's, high risk for a lot of companies and you, you need to make this aware and you should really as well be responsible and have respect for companies to support them in the decisions they are going to make no matter what kind of decisions they are going to make you need to have the respect because it's it's innovation it's not just you know give and take it's, uh, yeah, it's at risk. And this is quite, I would say, you need special people who can handle these kind of risks. 
Yeah, risk tolerance. Because they believe in something. Yeah. So let, let's talk for a few minutes about 2022 and Albin Kalin. I mean, I've been astonished to, I shouldn't have been astonished, but I was really pleased and glad to see that you have been the subject of numerous awards and recognitions this year. It's like 2022 is the year of Albin. I've seen CEO of the year, one of the world's most influential CEOs, most innovative CEO in the worldwide textile industry, Albin. This is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm I'm overwhelmed by this avalanche of awards. <laughs> and I'm living in the Swiss Alps. But, you know, we we have our feet still on the ground, so don't worry. Good, good. What is really what is really happening? What is really happening? We we are totally surprised. Um, it's the culmination of this 30 years of work that you've been doing and I've been doing behind the scenes, right, for all of these years, believing in the concepts, trying our best to find ways to make the these concepts come to life in real businesses, making making money as they need to do. And gradually over this period of time, people are seeing that what you said right at the beginning, that this can and does work when you do it the right way. Oh, and I think, that, you know, the topic is that now doing it for 30 years. So I would say for over 20 years, it was not really understood because it's a different way of thinking. I would say the last five years, people got aware that there is something behind because it's about the future generations. Yeah. If we continue cradle to grave like we do today, there will be no future for the coming generations. And now a lot of these kind of uh, award uh, ceremonies, they are popping up because this is the topic. The topic has arrived on time at this particular time. And well, and if they probably put in sustainability there, my, suddenly my, my head pops up. So, okay, I'm lucky, but I would say this is a reality. It's, I would say, more important to see in this modern world with social media. Okay, you, you need to be careful because some of these awards, they were sent out to 100 million people. Scary, scary. <laughs> so, you know, becoming quite a, some kind of hero, that's one side of the story. But the other side that you can get a shitstorm, it's somehow very likely as well. So, you know, it's this kind of white and black situation, which I would say is appropriate today, and but doesn't really make it easy. No, and I, I see in, in the social media, even even some of the more professional side of the social media, that today there is more of a tendency to knock people down. And instead of just celebrating successes and say, wow, that's a great step forward. It's not perfect. But my goodness, you're trying your best and you're moving things on. Um, and, and yet someone will just want to poke, poke, poke at you with a sharp stick, you know, and... Uh, Try and try and make something of it, which is which is sad because the the real work I know the real work is going on beneath the surface. It's like the 
it's like the iceberg, right? The real work is going on behind the scenes. So. So, and you know, there are now a, a lot of uh, team members and so on, people uh, within companies. It's now becoming quite a huge network. But these are all pioneers. They are now basically scratching the surface. And I'm glad because now it starts to become visible. And, and we need all these lighthouses because it has to light, enlighten everything because it, we need this transition. And now coming from the past, from this conservative, traditional way, really moving into the future, it's a responsibility we have for our, our children to come. Absolutely. Well... Congratulations on the awards. Thank you for all that you do and have done and continue to do. And I am very uh, thankful to, to have you as a friend and a collaborator. Um, thank you very much, Albin, for spending time with us on the Circularity Edge podcast today. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, dear friend. And hope to see you soon. Very much so. Okay. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Take care. You've been listening to the Circularity Edge podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at www.circularityedge.com. Until next time, bye Circular. Circular.